Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary and I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in beautiful, cold, freezing Adelaide. I'm also your drive time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Uh, I would look, guys, we'd really love you uh, to be able to share and to join with us. Now, look, if you've actually got um, a positive thought, a comment uh, in one of the issues of the day, uh, something that perhaps you'd even like to discuss or if you'd simply like to say hello, uh, you can do that just simply by texting us here on our studio text number. Uh, that text number is 04888 uh, now, this week, uh, we are looking at the theme, how good was God when he created hell? Uh, now, yesterday, uh, we, we asked, uh, what and where is hell? It's so important that we define what scripture actually means by hell. And uh, really appreciated uh, uh, all that uh, Pastor Joseph Matichich, um had to uh, had to share uh, yesterday. Uh, brilliant uh, material there. Really appreciated it. Uh, today we're going to be asking, how did Christ relate to judgment? And hell. Now look, these are really important questions. So many people have been frightened off Christianity as a result of this issue, as a result of misunderstanding the biblical teaching of hell. Uh, now today, our co-host is Eric Hoare. Now Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church and it is fantastic to have him back. Welcome to you once again, Eric. Yeah, thanks Gary. It's lovely to come in on a cold night and sit I in this tell you, you know today's the shortest day. This is the, the, the winter solstice Right today. So we're heading back towards summer. We're heading back towards summer. Every day starts to get longer. Um, even uh, that means warmer, happy, light-filled days. Isn't that wonderful? We'll be able to spend more time outside. But you've been sick, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week, I'm, I, I must, must apologize. I had to, uh, had to dump my uh, shows last week because, uh, uh, early last week, I came my turn to, uh, come down with the uh, dreaded, uh, COVID Logie and, uh, uh, yeah, early in the, uh, early in the week. In fact, my entire family, uh, came down with, uh, uh, with COVID. And, uh, uh, first, uh, first couple of days, have to admit, I was running a, a pretty reasonable temperature and a, a very, a good headache. But after that, it, uh, it settled down to a, a relatively, uh, mild compared to what some people have actually, actually got. And, uh, and right now I've, I've completed my one week's, uh, quarantine. <laughs> and I've had my official uh, notification from SA Health telling me that I can uh, come out and associate with the public yeah, again. Let, let you loose again. Let me loose again, <laughs> that's right. Well, it's interesting, Pastor Gary. It was um, I haven't had it yet, so I guess my turn's coming. But this last weekend we had the Atsum director, that's the Aboriginal Torrens Islander Straits uh, director. He was here and a wonderful man, uh, Darren Garlett. And he came and uh, we went to the church at Mawson Lakes 
and we took about 20 of the Aboriginal people there and mm-hmm. we met with the church there and he talked about um, uh, a couple of people who were in the rabbit proof fence and he told the story and how how the ladies, the young girls followed the fence and got their, found their way home and he was talking about us finding our way home and he, he showed some beautiful pics of um, some of the communities in the outback and uh, uh, one place he had to go was uh, he had to cross this river and when the tide, when the water came up, it would actually flow across the river and the crocodiles would actually come up and swim uh-huh. across the road, you know. Um, and uh, it was very interesting actually. But he said that the two ladies that survived out of, um, that got home uh, in the rabbit proof fence were actually seven Darwinist Christians. They were baptized uh, into the church, uh, something I d- actually didn't know. Wow. Uh, and had photos of them up there uh, when they were older and told their story. And it was very, very good, very interesting to be there. And they put a wonderful spread. If anybody wants to go to Mawson Lakes for lunch, it starts at 11.30, the service. Mm. They put on a beautiful spread there as well. I'm sure my daughter-in-law wouldn't mind me saying that because she's one of the cooks. Oh, look, look, you know, they do actually. In fact, that's one of the things I know that my own church – you know, to be able to uh, spend time um, mm. after the worship service, being able to fellowship together is just such an important part of uh, of ministry. And I know over at, at Brighton each week we we try to put on uh, something uh, that's actually involved with food. Uh, right now, soup and buns is certainly the uh, a fairly simple meal, uh, but uh, uh, not just soup and buns. You know, it, yeah. it's amazing how most weeks, you know, there's uh, there's, there's desserts there, mm. and uh, yeah. uh, well, I popped into help with the dishes and got kicked out of there so <laughs> well that's the sort of church i like to get like to go to i, I think I'll, I'll head down that uh, part of the world no very very nice look let's come to our uh, world watch uh, segment uh there is so much that's happening right now in the world religious scene it's just i cannot believe just day after day uh, new things are a Popping up, and uh, they're things of incredible significance. Now, just a, a week or so ago, in fact, I was going to use this about a, a week or so ago, and then I uh, uh, I managed to get myself uh, sick. But uh, the Cultural Research Centre, based over in Arizona Christian University, uh, has. Re- released another um, uh, response uh, to the American Worldview Inventory 2022. And, uh, of course, this, uh, these are... Um, uh these feedback sheets come out about every two weeks for about uh, um, 20 weeks of the uh, the year. They're dealing with different uh, subjects. Now, release number six uh, has uh, has just uh, come out, and uh, it's uh, it's entitled "Only Half of Evangelical Pastors Possess a Biblical Worldview," uh, and the incidence is even lower for most formalized denominations now this is what it what it said now uh, to me it's actually quite frightening when you understand what this uh, is saying subsequent to revealing that the american worldview inventory 2022 uh, found that just 37% of christian pastors have a biblical worldview the alarming findings were dismissed by some as not surprising, given the wokeness that's come to invade most Christian churches. What would be shocking, opinioned one pastor, would be if the numbers were low amongst evangelical pastors. Now, evangelical pastors, of course, by their definition, have a high view uh, of the Bible. They uh, regard the Bible as being inspired by God and the source uh, for their belief and uh, and practice. Um, but then the question came back, how low 
uh, would you define low? The latest uh, American Worldview uh, Inventory 2022 release from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University indicates that barely one half of the pastors of evangelical churches have a biblical worldview because evangelical churches, and it points out by definition, believe that the Bible is God's true and reliable words to humanity. Uh, and this is therefore particularly shocking to find that only half of evangelical pastors actually hold by that belief. Now, um, they then um, classified it down according to church family. Uh, of all Christian pastors, uh, the American Worldview Inventory concluded that only 37% actually had a biblical worldview. Um, those who were non-denominationally based went far higher. They went to 57%. Evangelical Protestants, uh, they rated it at just on 51%. Um, for those from the charismatic Pentecostal background, Barna said uh, 37% of uh, those pastors had a biblical worldview. Um, now, particularly uh, frightening, however, is uh, the traditionally black Protestant churches. Of course, that's primarily an American uh, a subdivision, not an Australian one. But uh, they found that it only related to about 9% of pastors had a biblical worldview. And of Roman Catholic priests, it dropped down to 6%. Uh, now, you know, as I looked at this, I sort of thought, wow, this is really um, mind, mind-boggling stuff. Now, the thing that really jumped out at me, though, Eric, was later in the report, they actually looked at a pastor's worldview um, uh, in relationship to the church size that they pastored. Uh, the worldview uh, indicator uh, discovered that pastors of smaller congregations are more likely than those of larger congregations to have a biblical worldview. Uh, in fact, uh, the, that total, of course, of, uh, uh, of all Christian pastors was 37%. Um, but uh, if uh, they were pastoring a smaller church of um, 100 uh, or uh, fewer adults, then the likelihood actually rose to 41% of pastors. But if the person was pastoring a church that had 601 or more adults, it actually dropped to as low as 15% of pastors. In other words, the more, the larger the church, the more probability there was that the church pastor uh, was actually not going to be particularly biblically, uh, you know, to me, as I, I looked at this, I, I thought this this is really starting uh, to to challenge so much of uh, of what's occurring uh, today. Uh, in the uh, as the report uh, was finalised, uh, uh, Barna's final comment uh, touched on America's megachurch phenomena. This is a uh, a phenomena, of course, that has uh, really impacted the Christian world, not just in America, but uh, right through uh, certainly the uh, the Western church. Uh, he said this: some critics have said that megachurches attract people by compromising the gospel, teaching what people want to hear 
rather than the hard truths stated within the Bible. While this research, he said, doesn't directly touch on that argument, the data does show that larger churches are less likely to have pastors who maintain a biblical worldview. Barner explained, You cannot give what you do not have. So it is plausible that pastors of some large churches attract people by teaching a cultural standard rather than a biblical standard. Uh, There are obviously some great Bible-teaching churches and pastors amongst the nation's largest congregations, but the data suggests it is more common to find pastors with a biblical worldview in smaller churches. Now, Eric, I'm just wondering, how do you react to a survey uh, like this? Well, it's quite surprising, these figures, aren't they? It's uh, quite devastating in a way to think that the leaders of churches, pastors, who are supposed to lead the flock and look after the flock, uh, many of them um, are not researching the Bible and being strongly Bible-based. Mm. And uh, when it comes to attracting people who, who um, they're trying to reach by um, doing things that they want to hear, the Bible talks about that and says they're having their ears scratched yeah. You know, it's things that they want to hear. And I think um, the problem I see is that as we move closer to the time of Jesus and we see far more evilness, I think the people attracted more to the evil than to the gospel. We've seen figures dropping and and therefore um, part, the churches are trying to work out ways of bringing people along. Uh, and so therefore, do you drop the standard? Do you drop what you believe and then tell them things that they want to hear to attract people into the churches Mm. so that it can grow again. And I think this is the big problem here. The Bible actually talks about church leaders, you know, um, just to study for yourself, but there are some that will be like um, uh, be like a lamb in wolf's clothing, just to be aware of prophets and teachers and pastors. Yeah, and yeah. So we have to be careful. We have to research the Bible for ourselves. Um, I mean, I found the church that I go to through the Bible. That's what led me to the church I go to, the Seventh-day Adventist yeah. Church. So all this here shows that there is a dropping away of the word with the leaders, and that is really frightening. Yeah. One of the things I suppose I'm conscious of is that even even within you know my own church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I'm, I'm mm. starting to notice that uh, you, there is a certain degree of wokeness uh, that is uh, that is starting to infiltrate uh, infiltrate the church. And uh, uh, to me, as I, as I look at that, I, I say, hey, Look, you know, I mean, really, uh, is this something that Christ would approve of? Because uh, Christ, above above everything else, was the ultimate radical. Um, you know, I think it's important that you know we're relevant because that's certainly what the argument uh, so often is that we are relevant, but only relevant uh, insofar as the scriptures are, pre- are prepared uh, to from the Word of God, uh, as opposed from some um, woke understanding of our uh, of our cultural well the word the bible is to change people's lives isn't it it is uh, to take them from one point to another to bring yeah. them closer to god that's what the scriptures are here for to bring salvation to bring us in a relationship with god and if we don't have the biblical understanding for that process if we rely more on what the world is doing then we're in a lot of trouble i go to a small church maybe 25 to 30 yeah. and we find that sabbath school is a great time to be there because we study earnestly together what is sabbath school 
A Sabbath school is um, is a program before the main service. Normally, yeah. at most churches, it starts at nine thirty or sometimes ten. But um, we go there and we have a uh, a lesson pamphlet that uh, is worldwide that we in the Seventh Day Adventist Church study a specific topic from week to week, mm-hmm. and we all have that. And we do it during the week, and then we come and discuss what we've learned from the Bible together. So it's really a Bible study time, yeah. uh, a time of singing, but about half an hour to three quarters of an hour set aside for study. Mm-hmm. And I find that is very valuable on a day when uh, we are together and sharing of ideas, and that gives us uh, more of a biblical oomph. It draws us together in unity to study the Bible together. Mm. I think that's really important. And then, of course, you've got your service later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Eric, I'd go as far as to say, hey, that uh, Bible study time is actually more important than the worship time because it's during that Bible study time you've actually got opportunity uh, to be able to study what the Word of God is actually saying on various subjects. And uh, uh, to me, uh, it's the one thing that makes, for me, uh, the Bible incredibly relevant uh, to the day and the age we're able to apply the teachings of Christ uh, in a relevant manner uh, to our age. And I think when we've talked about this and looked at this too, I noticed that um, I know that my daughter and I, we talked about cultural in the Philippines. You go to church at, you know, uh, nine o'clock in the morning. You're there till about seven or eight at night. And yeah. the whole program yeah. is sharing, learning, yes. but also the mixture of young and old. So I think, you know, we've kind of withdrawn a bit from that. And we need to spend more time in the Word. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that, Eric. Really appreciate it. Look, guys, let's come to some music. This is uh, Sandra Eaterman, and uh, she's uh, singing The Sea of Forgetfulness. Please, please enjoy. I stand before you guilty and unworthy. forgiven and holy and I know I break your heart but you promised I could start all over and all the things I've done you've placed them each and every one into the sea of forgetfulness you placed all of my For I am the one who keeps reminding you Over and over again Into the sea of forgetfulness As far as the east from the west Seventeen times seven You've forgiven me And you keep cleansing me my sin into the sea of forgetfulness You welcome me with open arms of mercy In spite of all I've done You still keep loving me And I hold Sea of forgetfulness, you place. 
erased all of my sin. That's the Sea of Forgetfulness. That's a really beautiful uh, song. And what wonderful uh, thoughts are expressed in that uh, that particular song. Now, look, guys, uh, we do actually have a giveaway uh, for you today. And this is a, a real beauty. Uh, this is just uh, a little book. It's not hard to, uh, hard to read. Uh, it's entitled Judgment and Hell. Now, of course, this week we're talking about this subject of hell. Now, so hell is something that uh, has actually scared uh, so many people down through the ages. Uh, I know of people today that continue to be scared uh, about uh, uh, what they hear uh, about hell. Now, Judgment and Hell, and the subtitle is uh, God May Be Kinder uh, Than You Think, uh, with down-to-earth language woven into a skillful yet pragmatic Bible study, Jim Eyre shines the light on the Bible truth to reveal a God who always acts with justice, mercy, and most importantly, absolute love and fairness. Uh, This sharing book uh, is the perfect way to knock down walls of unbelief, stumbling blocks, and falsehoods. You will love this particular book. It's called Judgment and Hell. Uh, God may be kinder uh, than you than you think. Not maybe kinder, actually is a lot kinder uh, than what so many people could possibly imagine. And now, guys, look, if you would like uh, your own copy of uh, Judgment and Hell, God may be kinder than you think, uh, then please just uh, text us uh, here at our uh, studio. Uh, all you need to do is to text us at our studio text number. That number is 04888. 80811. That number again is 04888 80811. 
11. In fact, why don't you program that into your uh, phone? Makes it super easy. Uh, all you've got to do is to program it under drive time, 04888 11 and uh, uh, and then just uh, text us the code which is SA52 SA52 no gap between the SA and the and the 52 that'll go to our robot you're not going to have to talk to a human at all and uh, our robot he'll get a bit of information off you so that we can get this to you in the fastest way possible judgment and hell God may be kinder than you think. SA52 and uh, just text that number to 04888808811. You will love uh, this uh, this particular uh, particular book. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary, and today our co-host is Eric Hoare. And Eric ministers to the uh, Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church. Uh, and again. Um, if you would like to make a, a comment on today's program, 04888-80811 is the number. Now, this week, uh, we are looking at the theme, how good was God when he created hell? And yesterday, uh, the subject that we, the question that we looked at is this uh, issue of what and where is hell. It's so important that we define what is meant by Hellfire and really appreciated all that uh, uh, Pastor Joseph Matichich uh, shared shared yesterday. It was really powerful, uh, powerful stuff. If you've missed it, you can go back on our app and uh, you can certainly pick up uh, that particular presentation. And now today uh, we're going to be asking, how did Christ relate to judgment and hell? Do you know, Eric? One of the things that I'm really conscious about on this uh, on this particular subject uh, is the way that uh, there has been so much. Much misinformation on this issue down through Christian history. At uh, at one point, I had the uh, very real privilege to uh, uh, tour through the uh, uh, lands of, of Europe with a group of other pastors, and uh, we were looking at the uh, uh, particularly the history of Christianity and particularly Protestant Christianity. And we went into cathedral after cathedral, and in so many there are uh, great uh, great uh, images Images, uh, or um, the stained glass windows uh, that actually personify the uh, judgment and hell. And uh, if you're not scared of hell before you go into some of these cathedrals and see some of these pictures, you certainly will be by the time you come out. Um, you know, uh, to me, I, I, I certainly understood how people, particularly in the dark ages, uh, really uh, struggled. Uh, hell was hellfire, of course, was used as a weapon uh, by uh, the institutional church of that era to frighten people into uh, moving in the direction that uh, uh, that the church uh, did uh, did dictate. And tomorrow, of course, we are going to look. Uh, Pastor Don Felberg's going to be leading, and the discussion tomorrow is going to be what is the history. Uh, of this hellfire teaching. That's going to be an intriguing uh, subject. But look, Eric, uh, today uh, we're asking, how did Christ relate to judgment and hell? Well, Pastor Gary, you're right. It's so important that we all uh, have an understanding of what we're talking about tonight. And I think 
the understanding of how uh, last night's subject is so important to actually line these up. How tonight yeah. we're talking more about judgment and tomorrow night about what this uh, everlasting fire is. What did that actually mean? Yeah. And these are all linked up. Uh, and the state of the dead is another one. We need to understand that to understand what Jesus is saying in Scripture. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, Pastor Gary, but I don't like to be judged. Um, <laughs> sometimes you hear, particularly your family notice what's going on in your life, and they'll tell you, but yeah. your friends don't. And I remember at school years ago, um, sitting in an assembly, and um, uh, I'd eaten some uh, chocolate buttons back in those days. I had them stuffed in my pocket, and I bought them out, and I ate them. And About a cent each, I think. Was they the were. Awesome. <laughs> 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 I mean, you used to buy them by about 20 of them, and it cost you nothing, you know. Had them in my pocket, and I thought nobody had noticed. Well, after the assembly in school, um, the teacher said, we were actually talking about law, and she said, right, we're just going to have a, a trial here. We're just going to set up a judge and a jury. And Does anybody, you know, want to say something about who we could, what sort of a case we could have? And somebody said, I saw Eric eating sweets in assembly. So uh, they decided that we would have a court case, and I was the defendant. So they appointed the judge. The judge was actually the teacher, which I was not happy about. And then we had a prosecution and a, a um, defence lawyer, and we had the rest of the class as actually the jury. Yeah. And I was quite offended, you know, because I, I, you know, uh-huh. I, you know, protested about it anyway we had the trial and uh, I denied it uh, and I felt I shouldn't be judged on this other kids did it and uh, they finally came back with the sentence and they found me guilty a flogging flogging perhaps (laughs) I was devastated (laughs) so I had to stay home from school and write down I shall not eat sweets in the assembly and I was horrified and I went home and I was indignant about that for days but you know when we do something wrong there is a there is a penalty Mm. Whatever we do in life, and there is, there has to be a judgment. And my judgment was to write those lines. I was found guilty, and so this is talking about a judgment that Christ has acted on our behalf, and He's taken away the burdens of our sin. He's paid that penalty. But for those who who don't uh, accept Christ, um, there is no cover for them. Mm. Tonight we're talking about the judgment, both for the saved and the unsaved here, mm-hmm. and uh, what we need to do about what the Bible says about judgment. And, you know, God has declared a particular day in which he proposes to judge all the inhabitants of the earth. It's actually found in Acts seventeen thirty to 31, where it says, The time of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day Mm. on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all Mm. by raising him from the dead. So there's several things here about this. It's actually calling for us to repent before Christ comes. Mm. It's talking about repentance, Mm. about having a relationship with God and being sorry for our bad habits and what we're doing. But there's actually a fixed day Mm. on which um, a judgment will take place. And this is something, you know, Eric, that is not all that trendy today uh, to actually say that uh, a time is coming when Christ is going to judge humanity and of course there's so many of Christ's parables that teach exactly the uh, the same thing uh, this is one of those beliefs that well you know it tends to be downplayed doesn't it it does a lot like you know when I used to think that my mother when she died was in heaven um, and come when I uh, read the Bible and understood uh, 
that uh, we go to uh, the grave and it's like a sleep there, we rest there. Um, now it all makes sense to me with the judgment because for my mother to be in heaven, uh, she must have been had the judgment on her done already. Yeah. Before yeah. Christ comes again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's the point of Christ coming again? He has the judgment, it's telling me here, the yeah. one who was raised from the dead. Yeah. So if I if I put it all together, it just, just doesn't make sense that she's up there now. Yeah. Yeah. She has to be in the grave waiting for Christ to come. And um, it's given an assurance to all, but notice it says that all will be raised from the dead, not just the good but also the wicked. It goes on, who does the judging? And it says in John five twenty one to 23, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life. Even so, the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one. It was interesting to me to read that. because um, So who does the judging? It goes on and said, But he has entrusted all judgment to the Son, mm. that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus Christ is the one who does the judging here. Mm. It's very interesting. Cause, uh, but it says that the Father gives him the power. He's, he's handed it over to him. Why did he do that? Why, did he, why isn't God the judge? Why is Jesus our judge, do you think? Be, be, because hasn't he become like one of us? If you like, we are being judged by one of our, well, dare I say it, a peer is not our peer, uh, and yet uh, the fact that he is also the son of man yep. says something very, very powerful to me. Uh, do you know, Eric, one, one of the things I love about uh, this biblical teaching that talks about Christ being judge mm. is that it's, it's almost that um, the judgment is weighted in my favor. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I love this because, uh, you know, it, it's so easy. You know, uh, Christ is my advocate, but he's also my judge. Mm. Uh, now, you know, when I look at that, people say, hey, you know, I mean, am I, you know, a, am I going to, uh, you know, what's it going to be like in the judgment? Well, you know, you know, to me, if I've got the judge, um, waiting, uh, wanting to give judgment in my favor, mm. uh, I look at this and say, hey, there's incredible hope here uh, for all those who've accepted Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I never got grace and mercy at school when I was sentenced, you know, from my judge who was a teacher. But you're right. Because Jesus was the man here, he understands us. He knows us. He has a connection with us, with humanity. Yeah. And what a wonderful thing it is that he is not only our lawyer, if you like, he speaks up on our behalf. He took the penalty mm. for us as well. Mm. And he's also the judge. He's already paid the penalty. Mm. I, I think that's absolutely wonderful. But Jesus is a judge. It's clear in the Bible. And there is a day appointed when that judgment will be handed out. Um, Romans 2, 5 to 6 says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will pay each person according to what they have done. Now, I often thought, I, I know that we can't, uh, with through good deeds, work our way to heaven. But here it says that each person will be a, uh, um, given their uh, their 
penalty or, or, or saved according to what they have done. So what does that mean? I honestly believe it's our motives and our hearts. If we have a motivation in our hearts yeah. to do things for God because we love him and we love people, we're not doing to earn our way to heaven. Uh, that's what God wants mm. from us, to have that internal um, heartfelt relationship with the mind and heart. He writes his laws in our hearts and minds. That's what he wants to see from his people. And that's what any parent wants, isn't it? You know, I mean, let's face it. You know, I mean, when you're bringing up your children, the one thing that you want above everything else is uh, your children uh, to obey you, not because they're afraid of you, not Mm. because they, you know, think that, look, now we'll get a big uh, whack around the head if we, you know, don't do the right thing, Mm. but because, hey, uh, that relationship is so solid, uh, that relationship, you know, the young people. People want to do what mum and dad want them to do. And to me, that's actually what we're finding uh, here as well. It's a beautiful, the judgment is actually a beautiful thing when you yeah, think yeah, about yeah, yeah. it because uh, it's something we shouldn't fear. It's the fact that uh, if we, we love God and, um, you know, and he, and we have that relationship with him, he is our judge. Uh, and it's the devil we have to fear that will bring us down. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting about when the judgment is carried out. There's a wonderful parable found in Matthew thirteen thirty six to 43 when in the earlier in, uh, there was a parable when the seed was thrown out and uh, in Matthew thirteen thirty six it says, Then he left the crowd and went to his house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the fields. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled out and burnt in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They'll weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They'll be then thrown into a blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So it tells me here in this parable that it's saying that in the churches, those who believe that the weeds and the te- the weeds and the good seed grow together will be burnt up, particularly at the end of the age. Yes, they'll be separated. There's out. There's going to be yeah. a separation that's actually going to going to occur. Yeah. As I as I look at that, Eric, I, I again I just sort of look at that and think, hey, um, this is a, a actually a. A beautiful picture. This is not a, a picture to be feared. You know, I think of uh, Daniel chapter chapter 7, I think it is there, um, where judgment is made in favor of the saints of the Most High God. And, you know, I, I've shared that with so many people. I think, hey, you know, uh, to me, uh, is judgment something that uh, I'm called as a Christian to fear? No, it's not, because uh, the king... The judge is going to make judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High God. That's favor of you and me. And, you know, to me, if I've accepted Jesus Christ, uh, is the judgment something I look on with fear? No, most certainly not. Mm. That's yeah. right. Well, Matthew twenty four thirty talks of, of this promise. When all this will happen, it says, At the time the sign of the... The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming from the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. So we're talking about here the judgment taking place when Jesus returns. And it says here that all the nations of the earth will mm. mourn and be sad and uh, and we'll look at that. And 
look, Second Peter three ten to thirteen says the day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief of the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works in it will be burnt up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Look for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved and be on fire. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Mm. And it's interesting to me, uh, Pastor Gary, that some people, it says here, the coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. They're not waiting and watching for him. Mm. Uh, they're going about their business. But there are two resurrections, which is interesting enough. Look, um, let's just hold that yes. at that particular point, and I'll get you to come back because that's a really interesting statement that you've just uh, just made. And I'd like to pick up on that uh, after we've had a, a little bit of a, a break. Uh, uh, folks, this is um, uh, Alison Krauss and the and the Cox family, uh, and the song is "I Know uh, Who Holds Tomorrow." I I love uh, this uh, this particular song. Uh, indeed, I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live. I don't borrow from the sunshine For its skies may turn to gray I don't worry for the future
every cloud is silver was Alison uh, Krauss and the Cox family. Uh, beautiful, beautiful song. I know, I know who holds tomorrow. Now, folks, we do have our giveaway uh, gift uh, for you today. Uh, our giveaway today is the book uh, Judgment in Hell, God may be far kinder uh, than you think and uh, how true that really is. With down-to-earth language woven into a skillful yet pragmatic Bible study, Jim Eyre shines the light of Bible truth to reveal a God who always acts with justice, mercy and most importantly, absolute love and fairness. Uh, how do they all come together in this teaching of hell? Uh, hey, uh, this is where uh, you need to understand what the scriptures are actually saying saying on uh, on this uh, this particular subject now look at folks if you'd like your own copy of judgment and hell god may be kinder uh, than you think then all you need to do is to text us here at our studio text number uh, that number is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven and uh, just uh, text us the code sa fifty two no gap uh, between uh, the sa and the fifty two sa fifty two and uh, our friend faithful he's our robot uh, he'll contact you and uh, get a bit of information off you so that we can get this uh, book to you in the fastest possible way uh, that number again is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven and the code is sa fifty two and that's for the book judgment and hell god may be kinder than you think and now you are listening to faith fm drive time big q a with uh, pastor gary and today our co-host is eric hoare and eric ministers to the adelaide aboriginal 
uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, and if you would like to make a, a comment, um, again, you can use that uh, that text number that we have been sharing. Uh, this week, we're following the theme, How Good Was God When He Created Hell? And today, we're simply asking, how did Christ uh, relate to judgment and hell? Now, Eric, before our um, our break, you made a very interesting comment there. You said that uh, there are two resurrections. Yes, the Bible talks about that, and that was really interesting to me when I first read it and still study it. Um, it's actually found in John five twenty eight and 29 when Jesus said, A time is coming when all those who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. And those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So if you separate the two, there'll be two resurrections. And we've got to marry that up with Revelation 25 and 6. It says, Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. That's obviously the resurrection of those who have done good. And the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So those who have done evil won't be resurrected until the end of the thousand years that's tying up the two mm. so what this is saying uh, when you look at when Jesus comes back with First Thessalonians 4 16 and 17 it says when Christ comes back it says there for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep because he sends the angels out to bring the dead up that are asleep mm. who believe in him. So what does that do? Well, that leaves in the graves those who have done evil. Yeah. The ones who have done good have been resurrected. Those who trust in God have been resurrected. Those who are alive and believe in Christ go up with those who believe in him that are sleeping. And those who are evil on the earth, it says in the Bible, are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. So that leaves nobody on the earth. The only ones not resurrected are the evil ones still in the grave, sleeping, mm. if you call mm. it. And then that other resurrection, hap- um, resurrection happens Later on, that a thousand years later. So that gives us an understanding of why there's no hell. There's not a place called hell. Yeah. Um, it talks also very quickly because we're going to run out of time, but Malachi 4 to 1 to 3 says, Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evil, every evil doer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root nor a branch will be left of them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healings in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the way when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Now this is telling us here that the evil are destroyed completely. They're yeah. ash on the ground. It says every branch, every root is actually burnt up. Yeah. So We're actually talking a, a, a fact of destruction here, aren't we? You know, yeah. you get, uh, you, you get, um, hell is not, uh, not a place that is going to burn forever, but rather the results of hell, the results of the fire are going to be forever. Uh, you know, to me, I, I'm just so conscious that, uh, you know, so many times I've, uh, uh, in my life, we've, uh, really enjoyed a, a bonfire. Mm. Be incredibly hot, yep. incredibly so hot that you just simply cannot uh, get get close to it. You've got to stand away back. Uh, but you know, by the morning, that bonfire that was so hot and uh, almost vicious has started to uh, turn into just a pile of ash. And uh, in the morning, it's just uh, uh, it's just warm ash. By the evening. 
there's just nothing left at all. And in a couple of weeks, the grass is growing over it again. And, you know, the results of the bonfire are eternal. That's right. But the and fire is not. That's right. But it, that's true. And it cleanses the earth. Yeah. It takes away, it, and we can't have any evil here. It has to be destroyed yeah. to be redone again by Christ. And that's another subject, uh, the new earth. Yeah. But that has to be a, a deep, as you say, a very, like a furnace that cleanses away the sin of this world. Mm. And this is the only way it can be done. I mean, I, I sometimes think, you know, it's very hard for Jesus to stand up and come back again when there are people who are searching for him. And, and, but the Bible tells us that there is a day. No one knows that day yeah. and there's been many speculations but there is one who knows and that's the father yeah. the Bible says the father knows but he says he hands that authority over to his son yeah. why because he knows us so well yeah. and he yeah. is going to be our judge that knows us and you know that we, we shouldn't be scared of the judgment mm. the judgment teaches us that uh, that he's going to come back and get us again that we're not going to be uh, in a fiery pit being tormented for the rest of our lives and, mm. and we're actually not up in heaven but he's going to come and get us why would he come back if we're already up there. And this is this really it's says something about the character of God, doesn't mm. it? Because and do you know the what does it say about the character of God if in fact God uh, is there stoking fires of hell forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, is this a God of love? No it's not. Mm. Uh, and you know, as I as I look at the uh, an understanding, particularly the understanding that so many during the the, the dark ages, the middle ages, uh, had of God, they were living in fear of God uh, because uh, they they struggled with this issue of hellfire. Yes, it, it's like saying that God is a God of punishment. Yeah. Well, he's not. We know that he's a God of love. We know that he's given us those commandments not to burden us with them, but to bring us life itself yeah. because we are protected by those things. Yeah. I absolutely love, in closing from me, I really love the, this text here in John 6.40 where it says that um, uh, Christ declares that the resurrection will happen on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life and I myself I am going to raise him up in, on that last day oh. so when is that it's the last day it's when when Christ comes, when we see him come, and every eye will see him. Mm. But isn't that beautiful that he says that they who believe in me and the Father mm. are going to be raised up by me mm. through the power of the Father and that's that's real love. That's that's something that gives me comfort and should give mm. all the listeners comfort that Christ knows them. He's, he knows them by name. He knows their life. He's going to come back and take them home mm. on this day. Mm. That's the judgment day. And, and, and the, other, the, the other side of the coin is equally important, you know, Eric, yes. because, uh, you know, there um, are there uh, some that deserve judgment? Yes, there are. Um, you know, I, I, I think of the uh, you know some of the warmongers that this world has uh, has seen. Uh, is it important that uh, that that Christ judge? Yes, it is. Um, but is it uh, right that uh, they they burn forever and ever and ever and ever? No, that's no. Uh, even human justice wouldn't do that. No. Uh, you know, and our God. Is certainly not not, uh, not human, um, but Eric, look, I'm so conscious we are starting to uh, run out of uh, run out of time here. Look, I'm just wondering, uh, just as we finish, how would you like to just pray uh, for our listeners, uh, particularly if there's anybody who's struggling over uh, this particular uh, subject? Yes, our dear heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight. 
thanking you for who you are, thanking you that you're a God of all, that you have the best interests of all of us at heart, that you created us right from the beginning. You set up a perfect world and then sin came in. And Lord, there was a plan put in place that you would come to this earth and show us how to live as a follower of you, to show love and grace and mercy to all. To no matter who you met, Lord, you wanted them to be saved, and you want all to be saved tonight. And I just pray, Lord, that each one of us, Lord, if we do not know you, that we will seek you, that we will study your words through the Bible, and we'll learn the scriptures so that we will know you and we'll feel your presence in us, that the Holy Spirit will work in us. And when that day comes, Lord, when we come to the end of our life, we will have the confidence to know that Jesus is coming again. Mm. And Jesus is going to come himself with his angels and he's going to send those angels out and he's going to go to the graves of those who are saved, our graves, and he's going to lift us up and resurrect us that we may be for him. Oh, Lord, we thank you for that promise that there is a way out of this sin, that there will be happiness and peace at the end of our lives, that we will be with Jesus. And, Lord, I just pray for anybody who's struggling tonight to understand this topic, if they would take their scriptures out and look up the ones we've talked about tonight and find that pathway through. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be sharing with Pastor Don Felberg, live from uh, Perth in West Oz, uh, where... And uh, he'll be looking at uh, at that in that incredible subject. Where did the teaching about an eternally burning hell? Where did it originate? Really look forward uh, to being with you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, "I'm leaving you with a gift: peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you." This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.